and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name is Lloyd Grolamond. Am I on, Hunty? Yes, you are on. I never know whether I'm on or not. Can you hear yourself? Yeah, I can hear myself. Then you're on. But my mute button's on red here. That's unfortunate. <laughs> it is very... Oh, now it's off. Was I on or not? No, yeah, listeners can hear you. If you can hear yourself, if you can hear yourself, say can the listeners. Okay. Yeah. Well, here we go. Off to an auspicious start on our program today. <laughs> um, it's cold outside today. It is really cold. Uh, well, for me, it is anyway. Oh, I went to the pool this morning, and as I walked out, it was one degree. You oh, might, you might shorts, want to... swimmers, and they were wet. You might want to acknowledge, though, that when you went to the pool, the pool's 28 degrees. And not only did he go to the pool that was 28 degrees, he then went and sat in the spa, which is 40 degrees. Correct? It was nice once I got in, yeah. Yeah, and and the other thing about Hunty is he gets in the spa that's 40 degrees and he refuses to get back into the pool at 28 degrees. That's right. You slacker. That's right. It's a one-way journey, this. Yeah, it is. Straight from there to the the shower, which is 50 degrees. (laughs) What are you doing in the pool? You're still exercising, man. Yes, mate. Still uh, still working on that. Going going, well? Well, the exercise part's now going well, yes. Yeah, it is going well, is it? You've got yourself into a... You definitely have yourself into a routine. I'm I'm fully established with my routine. I don't miss any days. No, you don't. I'm up and go nice and early. So you're going, what, five times a week? Yeah, trying to do five times a week, yeah. What, you get there at, what, six in the morning or 6.30 or something? Um, I'm not tied to an alarm clock. When I wake up, I up and go. Yeah, amazing thing about that is uh, I know this guy and he's often awake till one or two in the morning, <laughs> so I don't know how many hours sleep you're having, man, in all of that. Um, look, listeners, wherever you are, from Western Australia, South Australia, down to beautiful Tassie, I bet it's cold down there at the moment, up to Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland, and the balmy Northern Territory. My girl, my daughter's up there at the moment. True. Yeah, she is. She's in Darwin. She sent some pictures today. Looks beautiful. I don't know whether Faith FM goes into Darwin. If it does, big hello to all the uh, people up there in Darwin. Look out for my girl up there. Hunty. Yeah, mate. We do have room today for Ask the Aussie Pastor, and I really am encouraging you to text us, or you can email if you really want, That's right. a question in any question at all. We would we would love to hear from you, and of I'll course. have a go at it. Might not of be course. able to answer it, but I'll have a go. Hunty, what do you do if you want to get into our all right. text? We would love to hear from you, and you can send them to us one of two ways. You can text us, or you can email us. The text number for SMSs is 0488. Eight double eight zero eight five one, or the email address is theaussiepastor at gmail.com. So get to it. Yep. If you've got a question, send it in to us. I really want to hear from you today. Indeed. And uh, let's see how we go. As I said, I can't guarantee I'll have the answer. There have been some questions, some curly ones come in I have had difficulties with. But anyway, we'll have a go. This day in history. This is amazing. When I got this together today, it actually what I call a fairly slow day. But I mean, when I got this together today, I couldn't believe it. In 1626, that's a long time ago, on this day, May 30, listen to this, mate, an explosion at Wagon Chang Gunpowder Factory. Do you know where Wagon Chang is? I don't even know what country it's in. China. Ah. A factory in Beijing destroys, so an explosion at Wagenchang Gunpowder Factory in Beijing destroys part of the city and kills, I couldn't believe it, 20,000 people. 
Oh, dear. That happened on this day, May 30, 1626. In 1806, Andrew Jackson. Now, I bet you never heard of him, Hunty. He's got to be on one of my favourite US bills. You're a smart man. <laughs> what was he? Uh, is he on the 100 or the 50? No, no, no. I don't want to know what bill oh, he's, he's on. Oh, he's a US, US president. Very, very good. Now, I can tell this as I never told Hunty this. <laughs> Did you know that before he was president, he shot and killed a man, Charles Dickinson, in a duel on this day, day on 1806, May 30? I, did, I didn't know he, he did shoot someone, yeah. Do you know why he did it? Not why. Because the guy accused his wife of bigamy. Ooh. What happened was his wife thought she was divorced and she wasn't, and she married Andrew Jackson. Oh. Now, this guy, his name um, was Charles Dickinson, accused her of bigamy, and Andrew Jackson took offence and killed him in a duel. You know, they reckon Andrew Jackson had over 100 jewels. Wow. He, <laughs> wow. He must have been pretty... sharpshooter. <laughs> well, he must have been pretty volatile sort of a bo- bloke. Yep. Uh, in 1883, a stampede caused by a rumour that the Brooklyn Bridge was going to collapse killed 12. That was on the day the Brooklyn Bridge opened. Wow. 1911, May 30, the first Indianapolis 500-mile car race. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Uh-oh. Have you been to Indianapolis? Been there, yep, many times. To the car race? No. No, that's what I meant, to mm. the car race. Nope. I'd love to go to that. Same. Although it's an oval track race... Which can be, for an Aussie at least, pretty boring. Yeah, it's not Bathurst. Yeah. <laughs> what about this one? It surprised me. 1922, the Lincoln Memorial was dedicated on this day. You know when you go to that great big park near uh, the White House yep. and yep. right at the end of it is Lincoln yep. looks about 400 feet tall yep. sitting there on yep. a chair? Well, that was that was dedicated on this day, 1922. Mm. 1953, a good day for Australia. Ken Rosewell wins the French nice. Open tennis. 1959, the Auckland Harbour Bridge opened. 1964, by the way, the Auckland Harbour Bridge is a beautiful bridge. I grew up in Auckland. Then I went back there to walk. Not as good as Sydney Harbour Bridge, of course, but a nice one. Mm. 1964, another great day for the Aussies. Margaret Court, and I like her, won the French Open tennis. I like her a lot. Like her, I like her bravery and her courage in standing for the truth, though the whole world turned against her. She's, she, she's not just a, a great tennis player. She's a great Christian. 2002, um, this was a day... May 30, 2002, they finally finished the clean-up for the World Trade Centre con- and it concluded after eight and a half months. took them a long time to clean up. I reckon they did a pretty good job because mm. when those buildings fell down, you might have thought that would take years to clean up. Mm. They did it mm. in eight and a half months. Births on May 30, 1908, Mel Blanc was born. I love Mel Blanc. I knew you'd know who oh, that yeah. was. Oh, yeah. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. Uh, do you know what famous... He was a famous voice character actor. My, my favourite cartoons. Bugs Bunny, Daffy Dark. Yeah, you're all, right. All my Warner Brothers cartoons. What about Barney Rubble from the Flintstones? Did you know that? He, did Mel Blanton do Barney yes, as well? Yes, he did. Wow. Daffy Dark, Elmer Fudd. Yes. Tweety Bird. Yep. And at times Bugs Bunny. Yep. Uh, I bet you don't know this one. So he was born in 1908, Mel Blank. This one, Andy Farrell. No, nope. born in 1975. Hunt. Nope. Now you're going to make a big fuss in the next few weeks if New South Wales wins the state of origin. Bigger than you can even imagine. That's what happens when you're a loser <laughs> and you just can't win when it comes to rugby league. Um, sympathies to you, Hunty, before because I know you watch every game and you watch it with intense interest. And there's not yelling true. and there's crying not, and there's not ex- weeping. Not exactly there's, true. There's yelling and there's crying and there's weeping and there's gnashing of teeth. <laughs> I watched the opening few minutes and if it's going well for New South Wales, I continue. Oh, so you haven't watched it for a long time. 
uh, I, I want to do a press record and I tune out, then I come back in 15 minutes and survey the, the score. <laughs> the and carnage. The survey car- the carnage. <laughs> well, Andy Farrell was born in 1975. He was an English, famous English rugby league player, was their captain, I think, in the end, and then later on in life became the coach of the England team. Um, deaths on May 30, 14, 16. Jerome was burned at the stake. That was Huss's mate. A fantastic, wonderful reformer. Joan of Arc was burned at the stake in 14... Now, that's 14, 16 for Jerome. Did I say that, Hunty? Wow. 1431, Joan of Arc was burned at the stake. She's a French patron saint. Catholic martyr. Interesting life. Was burned at the stake by the British, British down there in Normandy in the end. 1778, Voltaire. He died. French philosopher, he was 84. By the way, did I say Joan of Arc was only 19 when she died? Go, really? go, go and Google her. Go and have a look at her on Wikipedia. She had an interesting life. And in 2021, Jason, and I can't never get this guy's name right, Jason Dupasquire, Italian motorcycle Grand Prix, died at 19 years of age. Hmm. Hmm. Very, very sad. So that's d- this day in history. I think... Uh, we're close to running short of time, Hunty. Actually, we're doing okay, we're aren't doing we? We're yeah, yeah, doing fine. Yeah, yeah. One more time, if you'd like to get some questions into the Aussie Pass, if you even want to make a comment on our program, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, where would you go, Hunty? You can um, you can text us on zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, or you can email us, and the email address is theaussiepasta at gmail.com. Hey, just before we go, we're yep. going to pray in a second, Hunty. You know the Indianapolis that started in nineteen. 19- 11, this 500-mile yep. car race. Yep. Have you ever heard of the famous Unzas? Yeah, of course. Yeah, very famous petrolhead people. Yeah, indie races, one yep. Indians, a whole heap of other. Um, I know one of the Unzas. His name is Jerry. Hmm. He's uh, as then it's Christian on the Gold Coast. I want to get him on this show one That'd day. Be nice. Yeah, because he's got a fantastic story of faith, how he gave all that fame up. For Jesus, that'd be worth. I was thinking about him when I when I looked at that, you know, first Indianapolis five hundred mile car race. Very famous family. The Unzers love to hear from him mm. sometime. And if you're listening to us, Jerry, big g'day to you, mate. Hunty, would you open with a prayer? Certainly, Heavenly Father, Lord. Again, we come humbly before you this afternoon, looking to lift you high in our community. Thank you, Lord, for all of the listeners who are with us this afternoon, Lord. I pray especially right now that you will bless them all, wrap your loving arms around them, Lord, and let them feel your presence. I also lift up my mate Lloyd to you this afternoon as he opens the Bible and and does his very best to convey a message, a holy message from you, Lord. I pray that you'll bless him, but most, Lord, I pray you will bless all of our listeners. Uh, thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day, and we, are here. we turn it over to you this afternoon. Thank you, Lord. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This first song from Candy Christmas. Pretty mm-hmm. cool name, eh? Mm-hmm. Candy Christmas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where do you reckon she comes from? Uh, I've seen the clip, so I'm guessing she's USA. Yeah, I mean, with that sort of a name, got to be USA. Candy Christmas <laughs> yep, yep. and David Phelps. It's called Jesus Saves. One of my favourite all-time old hymns. Hope you enjoy it.
powerful and you know it's true jesus saves no one else can save you no one else will save you only jesus christ in fact the first time i really realized that in my mind and my heart deep down into my soul i would have been 33 or 4 a pastor wow. while i was in new zealand kind of always knew jesus saved but i had to have that truth settle on me that Jesus saved me. It's not my works, lest anybody should boast. It's, as Paul said, Jesus saves. I was so excited. I think I've told you this before, Hunty. I was preaching. First, first, I'm like this. When I discover truth, I can't wait to preach, teach it, share it. Yep. No matter what happens to me, uh, I'm always going to have to preach, teach, and share. It just bubbles out of me. Can't help it. First time I, I realized this message, deep in my soul, I got so excited, I was preaching. I fell off the platform. That's right. 
I actually fell off the back of the platform backwards. Oh, I was a lot lighter and nimble in those days. I jumped up, got back up on the platform and kept going. Wonderful. Hey, news, Hunty. Yep. What about this one? Uh, This one, I tried to get some news articles for Hunty to comment. He's a techie. (laughs) He's into this stuff. And I know you're into internet security big time. Uh, Facebook used to have... uh, Facebook users have been warned about a bank-emptying scam on their social media platforms that targets your morbid curiosity. The new scam is one of a host of Facebook ploys used by hackers to hijack unknowing users' accounts and steal their money and data. Known as the Look Who Just Died scam, the ploy begins with a hacker who has hijacked someone's Facebook account and sends a message to their contacts. This message reads, Look Who Just Died. Of course, you're going to look, aren't you, Hunty? Yep. And includes a link that appears to open a news story about the supposed death. It may include additions such as So Sad or I Know You Know Him to make you to make the target believe their death was a celebrity or someone close who they might know. A naturally curious target will then click on the link, which contains malware that allows a hacker to gain access to their personal information. It may ask the target to enter the Facebook login details, giving the hacker access to their account. And so that scam continues and continues and continues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's happening, man? Okay, so what the, what the scammers are trying to do, they're trying to gain your confidence in your trust by showing you a piece of information which interests you. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Then they say, hey, I've whet your appetite. If you'd like to know more about this amazing thing that just happened, click on this link. The moment you click on their link, all of a sudden you're giving permission for whatever they've got behind that link to invade your computer. Now, if you're a Mac user... You're pretty much bulletproof against this. But if you're not a Mac user... We're all Mac users here. Yeah, we are Mac users here. Well, I actually don't particularly like the Mac company, but we're Mac users. We are Mac users. So, anyway, anyone can get caught. You click on it, and all of a sudden, it grabs out of your computer usernames, passwords, bank details, sign-ons, and sends them to the scammer who then accesses your bank account and drains your funds. Okay, so how do you protect yourself? Be very, very savvy. If... You've got a message from someone. Say you get an email that says, hey, your, your retag's not working. Or, hey, Hunty's died. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look where it's come from. Look at the email address. If it's, you know, etoll.newsouthwales.gov, then it's probably legitimate. If it's etoll.newsouthwales.gov.overseasscammer.com, <laughs> Look out here, I can't for your bank account.com. It's not legit. Yeah, yeah, okay, but okay. the real words will be buried in there somewhere to give you enough confidence to click on it. But you look yeah. deep enough and you'll find out it's not the you real address. You know what worries me about this? Older What's people that? are not going to pick this up. Okay, just don't click on anything. There you go. Don't Is click that what on it's really scam. come down to Get for on. a lot of people? Unfortunately, yep, that's what it's come down to. Just be super, super cautious. I mean, you're talking about Facebook, Hunty. I'm getting 10 to 20 Facebook requests a day from people who don't exist. I know they don't exist because you can check the Facebook account. You should check the Facebook accounts of people you're friends, shouldn't you? Yeah, right now I'm trying to dispose of two fake Aussie pasta Facebook pages. Oh, yeah. One, they've spelled Aussie pasta without the E, A-U-S-S-I pasta. I think I've got rid of him. There's another guy that's just sprung up in the last couple of days who thinks he's Lord Grolamond. I'm in the process of getting rid of him. I don't know why anyone would want to do that. <laughs> well, what they do is they, 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 they send out these friend requests to all of your friends, mm. and once they've got 50 or 100 people on board, no one's the wiser. No one suspects it's not actually Lloyd. Mm. So they join, and then one day... They'll send out an email, hey, people, 
we have this great mission opportunity. We all need you to send five or ten dollars, and then they start milking and harvesting from your. your it's a, it's a dangerous online world, my friend. It is. It, it worries me a bit. What about this next news story? Uh, Target loses fifteen billion off the, their value in ten days. Well, that's going to be very similar to the Anheuser Busch um, yeah. situation. For those of you who don't know. Companies are trying to appeal to all kinds of new markets. Well, so everyone, really, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, but they're, they're trying to be all things to all people. The, 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 these two companies got into trouble with the trans and LGBT. Um, uh, is that fair to say? And what's happened is there's been a backlash from those who are against that, and it's massive. But yeah, also, true. when they act, the companies, and take with Target, take away the offending uh, clothing... What happens is in the LGBT, the trans community, then they kind of get caught in a pincer, don't they? Yeah. And yeah. They don't, they're, they're like rabbits in a spotlight. Yep. You know, if, you, if you've ever been out, not that I do this, but I've heard that when you go shooting rabbits or kangaroos, you put a spotlight on them, they, they're so scared they can't move. Companies are scared, aren't they? That's right. Um, and with good reason to. And Anheuser-Busch is going to be months, maybe years before it recovers from what it did. Target m- might sustain this backlash a bit better because apparently there's not too many stores like Target in the United States of America. You know, the predictions are that Target will be out of this fairly soon. Yeah, yeah. But just goes to show how fraught it must be if you're a company executive out there trying to chart your company through these very, very dangerous times where everybody is offended. Well, unfortunately, there's a saying now that um, go, go woke and go broke and unfortunately, for some people, that's actually becoming quite the case. Yeah, I, I think it's more than just what we well what you'd call woke. Um, it seems to be whatever side of the equation you're on, whatever side of the argument you're on, you're going to offend somebody, and you're going to yep. get yourself into trouble. When I laugh all the time when people post up a picture of a stick on Facebook. And they say, this is a stick. And then then you watch the argument that ensues. No, it's a twig. No, it's a log. People will literally argue about anything. Yeah, I was reading the other day how social media hasn't always been a positive thing for culture, for our society. It it hasn't. Mm. This last one, Tina Turner did not fear death. Um, I think the reason I found this a bit challenging as a Christian is because as you go through this article, did you get a chance to read it at all? Yeah, yeah I had a look, it was very, very interesting. The fact that she, when she went through a bad marriage to her first husband, Ike, she turned against Christianity, gave up Jesus Christ and became a Buddhist. And then she found her peace in Buddhism. And she was sure that she was going to be reincarnated. In fact, one of the reasons she disappeared, according to this article, which was interviewing her Buddhist helper, was Buddhists, just before they die, retreat and prepare for mm. the next mm. life. I mean, if you look at poor, poor Tina's story, she was so horribly abused by Ike. I mean, he would, he would beat her up in the green room before they went on stage, and he was allegedly a Christian, a so-called Christian. No, I have no surprise I, I at all know. that that she um, know. ran from Christians. I'm, I'm not sure he claims that or not. I, I believe they were both brought up Christian, but even Tina I don't, as well. I'd be surprised if he claimed he was a Christian. Well, he might have been he brought was, up. He was brought up one, yeah. Yeah, I don't know that either. Mm. You know I'm going to go and check, don't you, Hunty? I can assure you I did some research, and both he and Tina were brought up Christian. Yeah, well, I, I don't think... You can't blame bad behaviour of people on Christ. 
Uh, you want to know who Jesus is? Look at him. And I've got to tell you this as, as we close this news section. Whatever you're going through, no matter what you face, even death itself, despite some of the testimonies you might hear from others like Tina Turner, don't go there, don't go down that dark road, don't walk in that dark, deep valley without Jesus Christ. He's the only way you're ever going to find peace in the valley. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. You're a very wise man, Hunty, sometimes. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What have I done? <laughs> oh, I'm just remembering how you remembered Andrew Jackson, who he well, was not even remembered, you know. Sometimes you surprise me, my old mate. Because I thought I'd have you on that for sure. Oh, dear. Yeah, but here he was. I think you know. Did you know it because he's on some note? Some American bank note, is that how you knew? Actually, I was actually looking into the number of US presidents who have actually murdered and still become president. Ah, uh, okay. Do you mm. know what bank note he's on yet? Um, I hadn't a chance to Google it. My prediction is 50 or 100. Okay. You're going to check that out? Uh, we're too busy. I've got seven computers here. What odd? <laughs> this next song, as I said, every week I'm trying to bring a song that you would hear and sing and experience if you were to go to church. Now, not all churches are the same. There's actually quite a wide variety of worship songs and practices, correct, Auntie? That's it. But at New Hope, you're going to hear music like this. This is James McConnell, who passed away recently. He's an old Irish Protestant firebrand pastor. He set up a, a tabernacle, a big church. It became quite a, a mega church, possibly the most famous church in all of Northern Ireland uh, many years ago. Um, not only could he preach, he could sing, Hunty. Yep. And he's leaving. I wish I could do this as a pastor. <laughs> I really, uh, our associate can, Pastor yeah, Fred. No, pastor can do Fred can sing up I a can't, storm. I can't. No. Can't sing for nuts. Hunter used to. <laughs> remember how you used to uh, tape me, and when we'd have a Christmas party, you'd re- very, very, very cruel. Very cruel. But this song here. I, I never did it, listen. I only threatened to do it. Oh, you did so do it, man, and I'll get witnesses for that. I can remember one party where I got exposed for about five minutes. I think it's time for a song, listeners. What do you reckon? <laughs> this, this song that I've chosen, I don't know these songs, Hunty. And I want to bring them to New Hope, but when I heard them, they deeply moved me as this congregation in Northern Ireland say, so you guys think. I'd be interested. You can text me and let me know what you think, yes. too. Go for it, Hunty. Okay. Jesus
Pastor, say it's not true. Just say it's not true. What about you? Pastor, say it's not true. What about these faithful people that come to the tabernacle? Pastor, say it's not true. What about millions of Christians all over the world? You know what Paul says? If Christ be not risen, then we are of men most miserable. But ladies and gentlemen, say it is true. Say it is true. Say it really is true. Say it, but listen. If it is true, where do you stand as a Christian? If it is true, how are you living? If it is true, how deep is your commitment? If it is true, he's risen and he died for you and he's alive and he's real. We're facing the facts tonight. Can I hear a praise the Lord? Oh, you can be early, fairy, and pie in the sky and talk about signs and wonders. The greatest sign and wonder ever was that he came to Bethlehem and he grew up. He lived at Nazareth, walked about his Galilean ministry, was crucified, died, buried, and he's risen again. And I believe with all my heart, because I'm living to that end, that he's coming again. For it's Hunty. Very good. I really, I wish I could do it. You reckon you could train me? I reckon we should give it a crack, eh? Give it a go. To have the pastor up the front leading like that in the music, I, I, no, I'm not doing it. I, I just freak myself out thinking about it. Well, we could try it, just you and I, somewhere nice and quiet and private. Even that would bother me. Would it? Hey, hey. <laughs> um, yeah? Tina Turner's death and the way she went to it rocked me a bit because... I, as a young fella, I used to follow her. I don't know whether you remember when she brought that um, ad out for the rugby league. Oh, Simply greatest, greatest rugby league ad ever. Mm. In fact, she brought out two. Did you know that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. 
course I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a rugby league man. I used to follow Team to Turner. It is true that that as Jesus came into my heart, that I kind of drifted away from not just Tina Turner and that music, but all all those secular. Just the way I went, everyone goes differently. Um, but I was concerned that she died without Jesus, and it did pull me up. I think one of the reasons I'm a pastor is because I don't want anyone to ever have to go through that experience. I want you to listen to this pastor just for a moment, Hunty. Get our yep. viewers and our listeners to listen to this guy, yep. and then I'll make a quick comment. Sure. You ready to go? Yeah, mate. Listen to this, talking about death. If you're here and you're not sure you believe in Christianity, in fact, if you're here and you're not sure you believe in God, I got a clue for you that there is one. C.S. Lewis wrote this. If you really are a product of a materialistic universe, why don't you feel at home in a world where we die and disintegrate? Do fish complain of the sea for being wet? Or if they did, would that not strongly suggest that they were once not purely aquatic creatures? Why are we continually shocked and repulsed by death unless indeed something in us is not temporal? Donald Graham Barnhouse was a Presbyterian minister in Philadelphia, and uh, he was uh, either on his way driving his, his, his kids to or on their way from the funeral of their mother, his wife. And the youngest of the children who was in the car, you know, he was trying to help. And at one point he looked up and he said, do you see that truck? Do you see the shadow of that truck? Would you rather be hit by the truck or by the shadow? And the youngest kid said, by the shadow. And Donald Gray Barnhouse said, because Jesus was hit by the truck of death, your mother only had to go through the shadow of it. The sting of death is sin. And the poison went into Jesus. And that's the reason why George Herbert can say, death used to be an executioner, but because of the gospel, it's only a gardener. How powerful mm-hmm. is that, Andrew? Very powerful. Uh, and that's why it matters that people have Jesus when they die, because there is no hope for life after death without Jesus Christ. He's the one who took our sins. You know, it's our sins that are knocking us out, don't you, Hunty? Yep. Bible says yep. that the wages of sin is death. And so Jesus comes and takes our sins, and he pays the price the death price for those sins. Our sins were poisoned to him. They killed him. They separated him from God. Mm. He paid the price for them. And all we've got to do is say, Jesus, I believe I choose you to be my saviour and we're going to escape eternal death. Mm. We're going to have eternal life if we just accept Jesus as our saviour. The man who was speaking there, his name is Pastor Timothy Keller, a Presbyterian pastor and also a theologian and university professor. He died last year. Mm. He went through the valley he's talking about. And I, I, I love what he was quoting Barnhouse there. I love what Barnhouse, Barnhouse said. Uh, Jesus got hit by the truck. We get hit by the shadow. So as punishing and as challenging as death is, if you're, if you're a Christian and you die, you sleep, you go to sleep, expecting the resurrection of Jesus Christ because he paid the price for you. I think it's beautiful, Hunty. And that's why I was just a little bit sad when I heard that Tina Turner died without Jesus. Not judgmental, just sad. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. 
You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Pretty sure you know these next two singers, Hunty. I do. I've actually done production for them, I reckon. That's right. Yeah. Steve Bolt and Joe Malashenko. Yeah. Uh, older guys now from the United States of America, and they're singing this song. It's not an easy road. And I was thinking, you know, when you're on the, when you're in the valley of the shadow of death, when you're challenged by, it's not an easy road, is it, Hunty? No. No. But with Jesus, even the road of death, you can walk it. Enjoy this song. Well, it's not an easy road. We are traveling to heaven For many are the thumbs of the way It's not an easy road But our Savior is with us And it's His presence that gives us joy every day Sing along
beautiful song. Absolutely. Um, welcome, Harold, to the program today. How are you up there uh, in Newcastle? Hey, it's great. I've been in Cairns for three months, but I couldn't bring the warm weather back. <laughs> nah, it's really cold here, isn't it? Now, yeah, Hunty, really. I'm just going to check with you. You got yep. that countdown going? Oh, son <laughs> of a gun. Got me again. <laughs> Always got to check on that. Um, yeah, it's been cold, cold up that way too, is it? Now, it's been where I am at school, but where I've been for three months, it's been beautiful. That's up in Cairns, probably still beautiful too. It um, is. We're going to talk about interesting guy today. I like this fella, William Booth, and we're going to talk a little about his wife too, Catherine. Um, very famous man, really. Where was William born? Well, he was born in Nottingham. That's the place that they reckon Robin Hood was. This guy was a totally different guy to Robin Hood. This is a great guy. It is too. I've been to Nottingham. I remember going there and thinking, "This is a, uh, this is a very, very famous uh, football team too." They they actually just escaped relegation, which has got nothing to do with this. Hey, Lloyd, you know what? Yep, I went to Nottingham um, yep. a long, long time ago to visit the place of birth parents of birthplace of my parents. So you're from up there? Well, my parents are from Nottingham. Yeah. Ah, oh, pro- great. I think Hunty's probably related to the sheriff. <laughs> uh, was his family, now we'll get back to William Booth, was his family rich or poor? Well, he was the son, the, the second son of five kids that Samuel Booth had. And when uh, Samuel started, he was very wealthy. But during Will, um, William's childhood, he went into poverty. That must have been terrible. Lose money and become poor. Which is unusual because a lot of the guys we talk about came from well-to-do families. This guy comes from poverty, which I think impacts the rest of his life. What happened to William's schooling and what did he end up doing? Well, he went to school, but by the time he was 13, his father said, we've got no money for your school fees. You've got to leave school. And he started him out working as an apprentice to listen to this, to the trade of pawnbroking. Yeah. So, in other words, he was selling second-hand stuff, giving out loans, that sort of thing back then too? Right, yeah. Okay, uh, but his father dies. Yeah, the same year his father died. He was just 13. Yeah. Um, not that an apprenticeship would have been a bad thing in those days, probably not a bad thing at all if you're in poverty. Um, two years into his apprenticeship, what happened to William? Well, when he was two years along, he decided to go to the Methodist Christian Church, and uh, so he became a Christian. So he's a Christian, what, around 15? Yeah. A good time to have a conversion to Jesus. Um, how did William educate himself, and what did he become? Well, he started to read and he trained himself to write and to speak well and he became a preacher that way. And he meets a young man who becomes his best friend. Tell us about that. Well, his best friend, Will, Will Sansom, and William met Will and uh, his friend said, why don't you become an evangelist? And so they start preaching together. Yes, they're both preachers into the sinners around Nottingham. Really dealing with mostly poor people, would that be fair to say? That's correct. So they're preaching to the poor. Um, what happens to his friend? Well, his friend, within a couple of years, he died of tuberculosis. And so William's left on his own. In fact, 
William was just 20 at that stage. So he's a part-time preacher. He becomes a full-time preacher. Tell us about that. Well, when his apprenticeship ended, he said, what am I going to do? So he went down to London. He found a bit of work as a pawnbroker, and he tried lay preaching. Nothing much came of that, and so he resigned as a lay preacher and went to open-air evangelism on the streets of the common down there in London. So basically he's preaching full-time now. That's right. And again, preaching to the poor. Yes. Who did he marry? Well, he joined the Methodist Reformed Church, and then he became engaged to a Catherine Munford, and finally, in 1855, he marries her at the Congregational Church. So he's been... Uh, different branches of Methodism. Now it's uh, Congregationalism. And, but he, he was a great Christian and a great preacher. And here he's got a good wife in Catherine. It seems it was a happy marriage too, from what you can tell. Yes. Um, together, what did they campaign against? We're starting to get a picture of, of um, William Booth and the sort of man he was with his wife. So what did they campa- campaign against? Well, William and Catherine... They saw how people were being treated and their great thing against what was happening was the seven-year-old girls who were sent to work in the local cotton mill. And they said, hey, stop employing seven-year-old girls. He becomes quite disliked because of this, correct? That's correct, because the church didn't want him as as an evangelist. They wanted a pastor. Yeah, so they didn't really want him um, out there on these causes. They wanted him doing local church pastoral work. Yeah. Um, when the Methodist, uh, well, why did he dislike being a local church pastor? Is it just because he wanted to go and do these other causes? He wanted to be an evangelist. He wanted to win people for Jesus Christ. Okay. So the, the Methodist refused to allow him to be a full-time evangelist. So what does he go and do? He resigned. So he said, I'm going to leave the Methodist Connection. And uh, he started out as an independent evangelist. And he's preaching about what's going to happen to the sinners if you don't accept Jesus. Um, it was a brave thing to do, really, because we remember he wasn't rich. And no. he resigns a, a paying job to step out on his own. Um, how did he financially support himself? Well, he started to make matches. Can you imagine he paid other people to put matches together? Hmm. Four pence are gross. That's 144 matches for four pence. And other people only paid two and a half. So he was paying his workers well for the day and he, he went into this matchmaking business. They had a little, um, I'm just remembering as I looked at this, they had some sort of uh, catch cry on those matches, didn't they? Light up England or something or other. Lights in darkest England, security from the fire, fair wages for fair work. I like that. Was it? Uh, <laughs> he, he's an interesting fellow, that's for sure. So what did he and his wife then open up in London? Well, while they're in London, 1865, they opened the Christian Revival Society in the East End. It was then called the Christian Mission and later the East London Christian Mission. Was he working hard, Harold? Oh, this was very, very hard work. Let me tell you, Catherine writes, this is how he'd come home. 
He would stumble home night after night, haggard with fatigue, often with his clothes torn and bloody bandages on his head where a stone had hit him. So when you're preaching, you get rocks thrown at you. Interesting thing, he'd come home, have something to eat, and then he'd go out again and preach, even though he's ragged and tired and uh, blood all over him, having a hard time. Um, How many children did William and Catherine have? Well, it's interesting. These, uh, This pair, William and Catherine, they had, here it was, just listen <laughs> to this, they had eight children. Yeah. Boy, that's a family and a half. Well, you know what, Harold? My mum comes from a family of ten kids. So. Wow. <laughs> um, this is where it gets interesting. It might start to come home. So you've got this guy born, in, born into a relatively well-to-do family, falls into poverty, goes and gets an apprenticeship, just looking back over his life, uh, becomes yeah. a preacher, eventually a full-time preacher, goes through a number of different movements, trying to find a home, really, to be fair to say that, mate. Right. Gets married, starts a church in London, has eight kids, and then this happens. He comes up with a name for his church, for his movement. What was that name, and how did he come up with it? Well, William was dictating a letter to his secretary, so it was a well-established church, Mm. and he said, we are a volunteer army. And uh, his son, who was called Branwell, he said, Dad, volunteer, I'm no volunteer. I'm a regular. And so the correction said, the Christian mission is a Salvation Army. So we've got really the beginning of the Salvation Army here. That's correct, yeah. Now, who was the Salvation Army modelled after? I think you kind of almost gave us a glimpse there. Well, it's modelled after the military. It has its own flag. It has its colours. It has their uniform. And they put on the armour when they joined. And William became the general. Other ministers were given appropriate ranks like colonels and majors and captains and other members. They were soldiers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this modelled after the army and their, their ministry was to the poor, correct? Primarily That's to right. the poor. How many countries did they end up going to in William's lifetime? Well, during his lifetime, they started working 58 different countries and colonies that had gone to the United States, France, Switzerland, Sweden, and other British colonies. That's a massive growth all around the world. This is while he's still alive. Did they encounter opposition? Oh, opposition always come that, came that way. And the greatest opposition was from those who made alcohol. Because mm. he was a teetotaler. Um, and he was against it because it brought poverty. He saw it firsthand on the street, I guess. Um, That's right. What was their motto? Well, they, they had a motto, blood and fire. And people said that's not it was the saved by the blood of Jesus and had the fire of the Holy Spirit. Eventually the opposition died down and they got worldwide acceptance, really. What caused that? I think people saw how they were just helping the poor constantly, and they still do it today. When did he die? Well, he died in 1912. That's just over 100 years ago. He was 83 years old, and, of course, when he died, they say he's promoted to glory, and 150,000 people walked past 
because they said this was such a great guy that helped so many people. And how many went to his funeral? Well, 40,000, yeah. including the Queen. The Queen was there and 40,000. Quite, wow. quite amazing, really, that you've got a man really born... Well, not, well, I guess born okay, but ended up in poverty, made such a difference in serving the poor. And to this day, his movement lives on, and would it be fair to say, Harold, will be one of the more respected Christian Protestant movements on the earth? It is, and people look up to the salvos for what they do, and William and Catherine Booth were the ones who started it all. They're still helping today. Well, thank you for that story, Harold. Fantastic. Hope we see you again soon, my friend. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Did you know that story, Hunty? Um, yeah, I kind of knew bits and pieces of it. Yeah, and I, I did know that William Booth started the Salvos. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I knew it a little bit, probably not as in-depth as... I mean, Harold, when he sent me the notes for it, we could have spent an hour and a half on the story. Oh, yeah. And it's an amazing story of miracles and the power of God oh, yeah. in bringing together a movement that, to this day, continue to serve the poor. Wonderful, wonderful story. Hunty, yes. uh, if you've got a question, yes. I want you to send them in. Where do they go to, mate? Uh, so if yes. you've got a question for Ask the Aussie Pastor, hit it, mate. Yeah, we'd love you to send them in to us. Uh, you can text them to us on 0488-880-851 or you can email them to us. And the email address is theaussiepastor at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> little brain blank then. Fantastic. Little, little. I, I was waiting to step in. <laughs> hey, um, this song, my wife Lizzie loves this song. I love this song in also. Fact, they sang it and I wanted to play them, but I couldn't find it. So. Oh, I've got a copy of it. Yeah, I know, but you were busy and, oh. and wounded and all the very, rest very of it. And, and you were having a day off yesterday and I didn't want to interfere. You've worked, <laughs> I think, nine or ten days in a row. So <laughs> this song, Jerusalem by the Hoppers, it's a so good. it's a beauty. So good. John saw a city that could not be hid. John saw this city. Oh yes, he did. John caught a glimpse of the golden throne. Tell me all about it. Go right on around the throne. He saw a crystal sea. What will it be? I want to go to that city he saw, New Jerusalem.
day, but it did not seem night. The Lamb of God, well, he must be the light. And he saw the saints worship the great I Am, and cried, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. I want to go to that city he saw, near Jerusalem. Do you know what that song's talking about? Well, for me, it's all about going to heaven and the new Jerusalem in it heaven. Is. Yeah, yeah. It's not talking about the, the city down here. It's talking about mm. the singers are singing about their longing for Jesus to come and take them back to heaven. And do you know that the city in heaven is actually called the new Jerusalem? Hey, do you know nice. how big it is, Hunty, that city? Oh, yeah, I did read it once. Isn't it like miles high? And Something like from... Here to Melbourne. From... Sydney, no, Brisbane to Sydney long, Brisbane yep. to Sydney wide, and where it gets a bit, sca- yeah, you know, yeah. a bit complex and kind of there's stuff in heaven. We should do a show on heaven, I yeah, reckon. Yeah, we should. Uh, let's do that in the next week okay. or two. We're going to do something on heaven. Love to. That city is as high as it is wide and long. Yeah. 
And yeah. it's talking about how they're longing to get there. Hey, we just had a fantastic revival at New Hope. Yeah, we did. I think maybe with John Lomakang, a, a preacher from the USA, where, where would people go to if they wanted to see that revival if they missed it, aren't they? Oh, look, you, I used to have to go visit the Aussie Pastor YouTube channel. There's eight programs and a concert in the series, and they are all absolutely thought-provoking, inspiring. How do you find it on the Aussie Pastor? Is it all okay, together? So here or? we go. You ready for this? Dub, 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 dot. YouTube.com forward slash C forward oh, slash no. Aussie Pasta or Facebook.com forward slash Aussie nah, Pasta. Nah. Just look up YouTube Aussie Pasta. Yep. When you get to the YouTube, the Aussie Pasta on YouTube, what then? Okay, click on the uh, the playlist called Revival Australia. Cool. So there is a playlist there already. There absolutely is. And there's one on Facebook too. You're on the money, aren't you, mate? Oh, trying to. <laughs> he preaches on this Sabbath. He preached this Sabbath on this subject called Breaking Chains. Yep. And he used this story. I just want to make one comment on what he said. What's that? You never should add to a good preacher. <laughs> but I want to add to what he said. Love it, it moved me so much. I thought about it. He made a call. I went up in the call, hunty. And he talked about breaking chains and he talked about going through a gate. Peter's in prison. Let me give you context. Yep. Peter is in prison. He's in prison because he loves Jesus and he's been put in prison there by the king. This happens. Hunty, yep. verse 6 um, of Acts chapter 12. If you've got a Bible, yeah, I've got you're it. home, open it up. I've got NLT. If you're not, is that all right? Yeah. Okay. Of course, mate. Love the NLT. Cool. So he's in prison. He thinks he's going to die the next day and then this happens. Verse 6, Hunty. Okay. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep. Fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Kind of reminds me of temptation that can get a hold of us. Fastens in prisons we can't escape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what the pastor was preaching. Fantastic stuff. Go on. Others stood guard at the prison gate. He's locked in hard. He is. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. This is how you escape deep sin. You know that, hunty? Okay. You will not escape temptation, addictions, and sin unless you are freed by Jesus Christ, by God himself. Right. This angel, on behalf of God, is freeing Peter yep. from prison. Yep. The same God, will he will free you and me. He will free us from our prisons. Yep. Watch this, though. And this is a point I wanted to make. Verse 9, Hunty. So Peter left the cell following the angel. So he's been set free. Yep. The chains are off. Yep. Okay. Okay. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all that time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. Now I want you to watch this. Yep. They passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. You got to, when, and this is really important. When God sets you free from your addictions and your temptations and your sins, addictions, sins, and temptations, you could never be set free from. How do you get set free? You're in prison. Yep. How do you get set free? If Ask. you look earlier in the story, Peter is praying yep. and praising yep. and worshipping God. Pray. When you pray, ask. You think Peter asked to be set free? You bet. Mm. Worship God. 
praise him. Get into his presence. I say this all the time, Hunty. Yep. If you want to escape Satan and his temptations and the addictions that have got a hold of you that you can't escape, get into God's presence. Pray. Get into your Bible. Begin to read. People say, where do you read? Read the book of Genesis. That's where my, my wife and I are at the moment, Hunty. Oh, yeah. Fantastic book of beginnings. I love it. Uh, go and read the book of Psalms if you're in trouble. If you want to know the story of Jesus, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you want to get into prophecy, what's going to happen in the future, look at the books of Daniel and Revelation. Whenever you're in the Bible, whenever you open that book, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, Jesus himself through the Holy Spirit will come down into your heart and your mind. You will hear him and he will set you free. Go to church. I yep. keep telling people this. Yep. In an age where Aussies don't want to go to church, go to church. Why? Because when you get to church, you have other believers who are struggling and battling against temptation and addictions and sins like you are. And you're worshipping God together. Yep. And there's power in that. You escape sin by being in the presence of God. This man, Peter, is in the presence of an angel, mm. one of God's messengers. And he's been set free. But he goes through the iron gate. Yep. Once he went through the iron gate, who opened the iron gate, Hunty, when you look at that there? Oh, it's got to be the angel. Yeah, because what does it say, verse 10, and they opened? Passed the second gate post. Uh, Keep going, yeah. And then what? And the gate opened for them all by itself. Ah, so, so who opened it? It didn't open by itself, really. Who well, opened no, it? It was the angel. And, and keep going. Okay. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter's free. Free. Now, here it is. Yep. I've got to bring this thing to a conclusion because my time's up. It is. Hey, when you walk through the iron gate, when you take Jesus' hand and he takes you through the iron gate and you escape that temptation and you escape that sin and you escape that addiction, don't turn back and go back into the prison. That was my point. Yep. Yep. Do you get it, Hunter? I got it. Don't turn around and go back. Nope. How do you stop turning around and going back? Spend time, time yeah. with Jesus. Yep. The more time you spend with Jesus, the less likely that you'll ever turn around and go back through that iron gate again. If you do ever turn around and go back, put your hand out. Jesus is still there, and he'll take you back through it again, hunty. Yep. I've had that happen a yep. few times, mate. Indeed. So that's what I wanted to share today in this Very Bible nice. study, and I hope, or I pray, and I hope that it blessed you. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor, here on Faith FM. I know we've got no time, Hunty, but we one don't. more time for questions, because okay. I really want to get right. a heap of questions we do. today. Okay. So this, is, this is questions for the Aussie pastor, by the way. The Aussie you pastor text them in, yep. and I'll answer them in a minute. Yep. Text us on 0488 880 or, or email them to us, theaussiepastor at gmail.com. This song, Jesus Messiah, is talking about what I just shared in the Bible yep. study. Yep. Jesus Messiah means Jesus the Saviour, Jesus who will come. If you hang around him, Jesus who will come and save you from the Gaither vocal band and it's a beauty He became sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness he humbled himself and carry the cross Love so amazing Love so amazing Jesus Messiah 
rescue for sinners The ransom from heaven Jesus Messiah Lord of all His body the bread His blood the and poured out all for love The whole earth trembled and the veil was torn Love so amazing Love so sing that song in church, aren't you? Yeah, we do. It's beautiful. a beautiful song, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like it. Mm. And, we, and we sing it well, too. Yep. At New Hope. Have we got Robbie on board? Let's see. I'm hoping I he's hope there. I hope so. Yeah, got him. Nice. He's there. Nice. I can't see him yet, but I... Oh, I can fix that. How, how does it look now on your screen? <laughs> oh, he looks really good. Good stuff. Where are you, Robbie? I am in Queensland. I was in Perth last week. I'm in Queensland this week. Wow. Um, so, have you gone yeah. home? 
Or you're you're off on the cylinder. Okay. Um, How many for those of you who don't um, know, Robbie is and if you're watching this on um Facebook. Facebook. He so last week, Hunty, yes. he's got a Faith FM jumper yes, on. Yes, he had a jumper. And this week on. he's got a Faith FM yes. shirt on. <laughs> yes. How come we don't get these Faith we don't have FM? Any swag I, at all. I want to have a Faith <laughs> FM thing on while we're here doing this. Yes. That's right. But, so here's here's what we can do, Lloyd. Yeah. We can announce that in July yeah. I think it's, is it nine or eight? Yeah. I forget what date it is, but we're coming to Sydney. We're yes. doing a thing at New Hope, right? Yep. Faith FM. That's right. I will have for you a Faith FM jacket by then. How's that sound? Oh, beautiful. I don't know whether you can get one big enough. <laughs> you, can sew, you can sew two together for me. At least. It's July 8, Robbie, who is the... July 8. What's your role again? One of the Faith FM bosses. Um, I am the content manager for Faith FM nationally. The pro- oh, uh, content manager. Content. What's that actually mean? Means that yours, means yours I, I, I manage. I manage all the studios around okay. Australia for Faith FM. How many studios all, do you have? Um, I think it's nine now. We just opened one in Mamarafa, which is in Perth. Do you I think count, it's nine, including that one. Uh, do you count our studio as one of your studios? Technically, yes. <laughs> hey, it's true, though. It's true. If Faith FM has anything to do in Sydney and they need a studio, we would have them in here in an, in, in an instant. Other I, than us. I have been to your studio three times, yes. so I've used it three times. So it's a Faith FM. Have you got any other studios in Sydney, or is this it? We uh, have a micro studio um, yep. in, in Parramatta. So a micro studio is basically it's a recording location, but it's not for live. It's only for pre-record stuff, and it's for... Uh, Normally one to two presenters creating things. So we've got some presenters that are creating content in Sydney now for us. It hasn't been aired on, on Faith of it yet, but it will be soon. Good. Look forward to that, uh, yeah. Sydney content. Um, my question is, do you think there'll come a day where we'll have a more powerful signal for Faith FM? In Sydney. Yeah. I, I, I've been, we're, well, a whole team on Faith FM nationally, we're praying for this sort of thing to happen all the time. Like getting, getting what we got in Sydney, that was a, a miracle, mass, sure. massive answer to prayer. Yeah. Um, and we're going to, we keep praying. We want something to cover all of Sydney. Yeah. Uh, we're praying for digital opportunities as well with digital radio. Um, yep. that's pretty cost inhibitive at the moment. Yeah, but not we're easy. We're praying for it anyway. Hey, Hunty, you yeah, still mate. haven't got that timer going, bro. Oh, the horror. <laughs> He's not well. It's all right. Our time doesn't start yet. Um, <laughs> we'll just go over time. Hey, um. Uh, it's counting now. I can see it's moving now. But yeah. he's going to, he's going to readjust it in a minute for me. Okay. So that it's, Fine. so that it's accurate. Um, one last thing. It, it would be better generally to watch or to hit, listen to Faith FM if you're in Sydney and out of range on the app. Is for that sure. right? Oh, look, if, if you want continuous coverage throughout wherever you go in Australia, the app is the best option, obviously. Um, but if you live in a local area where we have broadcast, then, uh, yeah. Well, I'm travelling Sydney to Brisbane or Brisbane to Sydney because Brisbane's home for me and I go home to visit. I'm going there in a few yep. days, actually. I just put the app on and I get it crystal clear the whole way. Yeah, absolutely. And it runs through my car stereo, you know. Hey, uh, we're about to announce or about to launch yep. uh, an update to the Faith FM app that will let you play it natively through Apple Play and through um, Android Auto. Fantastic. So at the moment, you've got Very a Bluetooth nice. and pair and play through yeah. Bluetooth audio, yeah, yeah. but you'll actually be able to play it on the screen in your um, in your Apple Play and all that stuff in awesome. Android Auto. That's good. No good so for Hunty. No, no good for Hunty because he doesn't have Apple Play. 
But for us guys who have, it's fabulous. He's got a he's got one of those Jeeps, and they just are not technically up there with it. So. Hey, it's 2014. Give it a break. Every every car I hire now has both options, so it's uh, pretty much become a standard with all new cars. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Problem is, um, problem is paying for a new car, isn't it? You know, trying to go and buy one. That's it. It's not getting easier out there. In fact, it's it's getting very difficult for people out there. As you know, I'm not sure about up where you live, but we've just had in the process of having another, and I say another thirty percent power increase. You know, electricity. Yeah. And I'm talking to the guy I buy my dog meat today, and he was so frustrated um, at the way Australia's headed. Um, it's very difficult for people out there. So, if you, if you, I was, I was talking to a lady. I didn't, I didn't buy any popcorn, but she makes popcorn. You know, like at yep. the airport, you can buy popcorn. Yep. I never knew you could buy popcorn at an airport. Come but anyway, on, apparently you can. You, you bought the the honey <laughs> I, scotch brittle one, didn't you? I've Come never on. bought Jumbo popcorn back. at the airport before. <laughs> anyway, she was telling me that it, the cost of electricity yeah. to make the popcorn is more than what she can sell the popcorn for. Oh, dear. It's crazy. Um, it, it's it's you wonder where the whole things. I was talking to the guy who I buy my dog food from, and as I was talking, another guy came in, and he was a businessman. He got out of the car, and he just overheard what we were saying, and he just went off, boom, you know, because yep. what's out there is people are hurting, they're in pain, they can't afford to live. Even me, I, my wife works, I work. We're not using the heater this winter. I don't know about, well, no, Hunter he is because he's in a different situation. He's got solar panels <laughs> all over the place, but... It, it's it's difficult because these things are getting so hard. So my point was, getting back to what it was all about, is if you can't buy a new car, you've got a phone, you can still use the app to listen to Faith FM. Yes. Which I tend to think is yep. still the best way. 100%. Maybe I get into trouble saying this. I reckon it's the best way to do it. Um, hey, Robbie, we were talking about <laughs> hey. demon, yes, uh, possession last week. We talked about how, how people can individually be demon-possessed and how Jesus, the Messiah... Saves from that. What about this question? And this comes about from a book I read called, and I keep forgetting the name of the book, uh, The Return of the Gods. Gods yeah. Can an, and, and he contends that this in this book. Can a nation be demon-possessed? We, well, we know an individual can be, but can a nation? Yes. Well, we've got 13 minutes. We'll need probably 33 minutes to answer the question. Oh, look, but um, I can adjust that, mate. Don't, no, don't it's worry. It's okay. It's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll make do with the time we've got. Look, the, the, to me, the answer is yes, a nation can be. And I would even go further than just saying a nation. I'd say a culture. Yeah. And, like, for example, like we're, we're, we identify as a Western culture primarily in Australia, um, as would England, New Zealand, Canada, U.S., um, even parts of Europe would identify as being Western culture in some respects, and I see I see that the the whole possession and demon possession aspect and oppression of of a nation can be seen. Yes, individually, I think they could they could be as a nation, but I think it's more collectively because culture transcends nations. In like in in our world today, like even though we're Australian is our nation, I think we basically share the identical culture as the Americans and the UK and New Zealand. I mean, there are obviously differences and things like that, but in terms of general principles, I mean, the funniest thing I heard during COVID was hearing Australians trying to quote American religious liberty and uh, freedom of, uh, like, like quoting the American Constitution yeah. for their rights in Australia when they don't apply here. Like, it's yeah, a completely no. different legislative s- s- setup here. So I think, I think culture is probably the bigger 
context. Okay, before we even about. go to culture, I want to go there in a second. Would it be fair to say that the Nazis were a, they were a culture? Were they a demon-possessed culture? Is that what you mean? Well, you mean... No, I'm not saying the Nazis. I'm so talking about Adolf Hitler, World War Two. Yeah, um, yeah. Is that a demon-possessed culture? I think if you look at the fruit, because um, Jesus tells us to judge the spirit by the fruit, right? Mm. And if you look at the fruit of that subculture of Europe yep. during that period of time, I think the fruit's pretty um, self-evident that it was uh, satanic in nature or demonic in nature. Um, and the way the way humans were moved to do things like that to humans was, yeah, I, I think you could easily say biblically that there was um, a possession and oppression of that of that period of time and those involved with it. I mean, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, and, and we'll unpack this a bit because there are three aspects I think um, that you can look at any if you look at a culture or a nation. How do you want to look at it? Let's go, culture, let's go culture. Let's go culture because I want to move. I mean, I think we can go back in history and we can look at nations. Look at what Genghis Khan did killing twenty million yeah. Chinese. You can look at what Pol Pot did with in, with the Cambodians. You can look at what happened in Africa between the Hutus and the Tutsis. We can look at nations. Let's go to the culture because I, I I want to bring it probably um, into our time. What would that look like? A demon possessed culture. So. I think to to answer what it would look like, or what, or is it happening now? Yep. Like that sort of aspect of questioning. Yep. Let's look back at what it was like. Okay. And if we look at how it was like, then we'll learn the lessons, the principles of what we can see for the present or the future. Right? Okay. Take so, us, take us there, mate. So biblically, in the Old Testament, so before Jesus shows up in the New Testament era, right? When Jesus shows up, there is clearly a, a issue of of um, satanic oppression and possession mm. in the world, right? Jesus shows up in that in that context so look at the world before that we go to the old testament the issue with possession of nations doing horrendous things was very very evident in the old testament um particularly look at the book of first kings and second kings right and then you can look at chronicles and, Te- and samuel which sort of collaborate the same sort of time period but if you're looking just at the time of the kings so the book of first Kings, second kings we are introduced to the famous character elijah when Elijah shows up in the story, he is confronting a nation that has turned its back on God and has gone to the depths of basically child sacrifice, right? So it's 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 possessed, and they're worshipping the gods. And the gods that they worship, they're three gods, and three of them have very distinct attributes and characteristics, mm. and they require certain behaviors. So if you're following these three characteristics or these spirits or gods, demons, mm. what do you want to call mm. them, you'll have this fruit, right? So the first one, we all are familiar with Baal, right? So Baal was the, the major god of the uh, Canaanite world that the Israelites kept falling into worshipping. Like every time you, you turn your head around in the scripture, if you're reading the book, the book of the Bible from the beginning to the end, as you're reading along, every time you sort of turn a page, they're falling back into the worship of Baal, right? So Baal keeps cropping up. And the thing with Baal is, Baal is a front to demon possession, right? Yeah. So ultimately... Satan is the, the chief of all demons, uh, which is what we said last week was fallen angels. Yep. But each of these these idols or these um, deities that are worshipped by the pagan world and by God's people, the Israelites, they are really, it's an affront to a, some sort of demonic agency, right? So what you're so, saying is these gods aren't just molten mass of, me- met- a molten mass of metal. 
there was yeah, real demons behind them and they're having real supernatural experiences. They are tokens through which the worship is given to the the, spe- the demonic thing behind it. So, so, so there, for was, example, right? there was real supernatural stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. Look, think of it this way, right? So as a Christian, I believe the opening passages of the Bible in Genesis chapter 2 when God says, listen, is how you will worship me. Well, he doesn't say it in chapter 2, but he gives us the, the, the temple. The temple is time. Mm. You can be anywhere on this planet, but you have to enter into the temple, which is time, every seventh day. Yeah. The seventh day is the, is, is the time temple where you come in to, to worship with me. And then and when we get down to, you know, almost 2,000 years later, we get the, uh, the Ten Commandments codified, and God spells out that that temple of time, the Sabbath, is the time that you will worship me, right? Yep. So God gives us this token thing. Like it's it's a tangible existence yeah. that we have where we can enter into it and we can worship God, right? Yep. So the Sabbath itself, we're not worshiping the Sabbath, the seventh yeah. day. We're worshiping God through the seventh day. Yeah, got it. And so when you look at Satan's um, counterfeit to God, he sets up these images, and by worshiping the image, that's the way you actually, it's the token way to worship into Satan himself. And the powerful thing is, and this imagery is, is that this is exactly what the book of Revelation talks about. Satan's going to set up right at the end of time this, he calls it the image to the beast. People get on about the mark of the beast. Forget the mark of the beast. The image of the beast is the real problem here. But anyway, that's another story of another time. Yeah, yeah. So what I'm saying is that these idols are the, they're the token that's dropped in front of the human. And through worshiping the token, you're actually worshiping the deity. And when I say deity, in t- if it's not God, it's demonic. It's a angelic. Yeah, yeah. It's a fallen angelic being, right? So in the ancient world, with like with Elijah's time period, right? He goes up and he talks to Ahab. Ahab has formed temples to Baal. Now Baal in the ancient world was the chief of all the gods. And the fascinating thing is that when you go to any other uh, any other culture, there's always the Baal equivalent. Yeah. Baal is translated into the Greeks, into the Romans. It doesn't matter which culture you pick. There's always the Baal character, the chief then pagan god. He, he's the chief. You, he's, you, if you, if you, you even see it in, of, the, in, in the Greeks, don't you? With um, what's his name, the big boss of the the Greek gods. Um, anyway, go on. I'll think Apollo, Apollo. Apollo. Yeah. 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 So. So, okay, so Israel has turned their back on God, the God, and now they're worshipping Baal, right? So what's interesting with Baal is is that Baal never travels alone. There's two more gods that always travel with him. Like whenever okay. you whenever you check this out in the time periods, yep. whenever the worship of these pagan gods happen, there's always three. Pagan so trinity. It's the pagan trinity, 100%. So the first one is uh, Baal, and the whole purpose of Baal, Baal turns you away from the God of heaven. Okay. Every time he shows up in scripture, he turns the people away from God. So we're talking about nation and culture, right? Yeah. Not, not individual, yeah. sure. There's that. Out, we can yeah, all yeah, individually yeah, yeah. turn no, God. I, I'm interested in the culture, nation, yep. But when Baal shows up in the culture, his whole purpose is to turn the people away from God. That's why when you read in the Old Testament, what are they always doing? They turned away from God and mm. turned to Baal, right? So Baal's, um, and some of the translations in Hebrew into English, for um, characteristics of Baal is the possessor. Mm. So Baal is the possessor. When he shows up, he possesses the culture, he possesses the king, he possesses possesses the nation. And when he possesses, he turns them away from the true God. Right? That's the first thing. He's always evident in the uh, in when you turn from God, Baal shows up because Baal was the way in which that happened. The second god or idol that shows up 
is, uh, and it's got many, many names, just like Baal has many names in every culture. The next one is uh, often in English, we can call it the enchanter, enchanter, entran- sorry, enchanter, right? So it's an enchanter or enchantress. It's actually a female feminine god. Yep. The other name she's got is Ishtar or Astra. She's got, she's also known as the queen of heaven. Yeah. She's got so many different names in different cultures, but she has one one goal when she shows up. Her job is to, to well, when I say her job, I'm talking like personifying these, yes. these idols yeah, and things, yeah. right? But basically when she shows up in a culture, she affects the, she sexualizes the nation in a perversion. It's a, it's a, she takes, she, she takes seduce, what God put She seduces into, them. She's a seductress, yeah. yes. And so what God put into the marriage as a gift, she takes out of marriage and exploits the gift without the marriage because yeah, she's, wow. remember, Baal's come along and Baal takes you, uh, turns you away from God. And so then in comes um, Ishtar or the queen of heaven, what do you want to call her? She comes along and she takes sex, sexuality out of marriage because now you don't need God anymore and then she basically sexualizes and seduces the nation right this is a bit and scary the, listening the to you, listening to you now talking about the old ways and I'm thinking about our world go on go this on. is where we're heading yeah this, yeah, this I is can exactly see it. I mean you, you threw these questions at me and I'll tell you yeah. what it's it's taking us in a very very confronting yeah, present yeah. and yeah. future that we're going to be going. living in right Keep going. So we've got we've got Baal who turns us away. You've got Ishtar, uh, Estata. Ishtar is a whole lot of nice. Yeah, right? she, she's a seductress. Yeah. The interesting thing with right with with um in the Greek her name. So uh, whether it's Ishtar, whether it's Ashtoreth, or whether it's Queen of Heaven, when it's translated into the Greek language, it's the prefix is porn. Oh, so okay. she's where we get the word pornography from. Okay, and that's that whole thing. So that, that's wow. think of that. That's that's where she comes from, right? Yep. Now, the third and the final of the, the uh, dark trinity or the unholy trinity that always shows up in the pagan world is the destroyer god, and he's called Moloch. Mm. And whenever Moloch comes on the stage, there is always human sacrifice that takes place in the old world. Often, so, of, often of the of the babies in the children. Infants. It's mm. it's normally always referred. There are examples where it's the young virgins and things like that, but it's yeah. mostly children. Yeah. So get this, Elijah shows up. Now th- there have been moments of this before Elijah. We now, see it in the just old, so our past. listeners know who Elijah is. This is an Old Testament firebrand prophet. He he is one of the major prophets of the Old Testament. C- comes when Israel is immersed. Up to their necks and over their heads in this stuff you're talking about. Okay, go on. And they and they are, I would say, all, if I ever do a clinical analysis on this time period that Elijah yep. shows up, they are a nation completely demonically possessed. Yep. From the top with the king yep. down to the to the lowest members of society. There are exceptions. I mean, we later in the story we get told that there are still seven thousand that haven't bailed bailed. Bowed the knee to Baal, right? So there were which people wasn't there that a whole lot. Wasn't a whole lot no. in the context no. of how many millions were there. It was a remnant, but yeah, go on. Exactly right. Yeah. So, so Elijah shows up, and we've got Baal who's turned him away from God. Yep. We've got Ishtar that's showing up, or Ashtaroth, or whatever yep. name you want to use at the time. She's showing up, and she's perverted sexuality in the nation, and that has led the entrance for Molech to show up. And what Molech does is he is the destroyer, and he is worshipped through child sacrifice. Now, here's mm. the interesting thing. They all work together. Mm. You need to turn the people away from God in order to um, pervert sexuality, 
And through the perversion of sexuality, you have unwanted children. And through unwanted children or through the production of children outside of the marriage relationship and the family relationship, you have the element for the sacrifice to Molech. Hmm. And so Molech is the ultimate, he's, he's, he's the bad guy in the whole story of these hmm. three um, unholy trinity because he's the one craving the sacrifice. He wants the rituals. He wants the blood. But to get a nation to do that or get individuals to do that and a culture to do that, you need to take them step by step. You need to get rid of God's law, get rid of knowledge of God and turn people away from God. And then you need to get rid of the um, the constraints of fruitful reproduction in the context mm-hmm. of family and marriage and society and all that sort of stuff. So that there is the there is a less of a value placed on the, the offspring because they're the ones that are getting fed to the next one, which is Moloch. Yeah. So it's a really it's it's it's. It's demonic. Yeah, the it whole system of this counterfeit reality of, of the Trinity is demonic. Because in the biblical account, right, if you look at God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they are working to create children and to create life mm. and to reveal his image. Whereas in Satan's version, it's inverted it, and his whole thing is get them away from all of that so I can destroy the image of God through the children, which it's is the creative like he, element. In the old days, in these cultures, Satan wanted to destroy them by destroying their children because if you destroy the children well there's no nation so he's exactly. cutting, them, cutting them off at, at, at their most sensitive and, and vulnerable um, even before you go on it was interesting for me when I was in Jerusalem to look down into the valley of Hinnom where they set mm. up an image to Moloch and they'd yep. take their children even the king took his children down there and they'd slide them into the molten they say that what they'd often do is slit their throats and as they're dying, slide them down into the molten, which was a fire belly of God, of this, this, this Moloch God. It, it was very, very, very challenging to see in that. The, in the books I've read on the accounts of this, so there's, yeah. now, you, listeners might be going, oh, right, this is all like airy fairy, you pull this stuff yeah, out. No, of the it's air. not. This it's stuff comes from archaeology. We've, yeah. in archaeology in Mesopotamia, we have dug up these clay tablets yeah. that depict the stories of how these deities were worshipped. And to go on what you just said a bit further, mm. in one of the, um, the clay tablets from Mesopotamia that I've read the translation of, mm. when worshipping Moloch, which is the one they'd offer their children to, they described that the children would be brought up and the, the image would have its arms out, so mm. that they had this big image with its arms out, mm. and it would be burning fire in the arms. And they would lay the baby or the child on top of the arms and the baby would be burnt, right? Yeah. And so the shrieks were so loud. In the ep- This is in the – it's called an epic. Yep. It's like a story they yeah, call yeah, it, right? Yeah. In the epic, it talks about how that – um, down below where the sacrifice, the sacrifice was up on top of the hill. Yeah. You go down below and they would have all of these people singing, like a choir of priests and things for Baal, uh, for, sorry, for Moloch, singing at the top of their lungs. And one of the instruments was the flute and they'd be playing it. And the, the reason it says it in the epic is so that the parents coming up with their kids wouldn't hear the screaming of the babies being burned yeah, alive, basically. Yeah, yeah. And so that they would be willingly bringing their children up wow, for the, wow, wow. the thing. It's, it's, Graphic, right? And this, this is documented. This isn't like fairy tale stuff. This stuff happened. So when you look at the, que- the question you ask is what would it look like if a, if a culture or a nation went down this path? Well, look at the past. We have an, a nation or culture turned from God. They re- God was taken out of every part of the life. Then they got rid of all of the um, sanctity of marriage and the sexual relationship. Basically, it went all free, free for all. 
anybody could do anything. And then as a result of that, they ended up sacrificing their children to Moloch. Okay, so okay. If we, if, if that was what happened in the past... Well, here's my question. Gonna, if it's going to happen again, we're going to see the same well, thing well, come back well, in. Well, here's my question then. And I've I got to ask this straight. might get into trouble, but I'm going <laughs> to ask it straight. Is our culture demon-possessed? Okay, I'll give you a straight answer. Hmm. I think it's on its way to being being completely. I think it started. Well, if you're going to look um, at and, you're going to look at what if you, if what you say is right, what happened in the Bible? Yeah. If, if that's your depiction of a demon possessed culture, and then you look at what's so happened, let, let, let's go through it. Let's go through it. So. If you look at Western culture, now I'll pick up some some key examples, right? Not not definitive, it's yeah. not dogmatic. I'm yeah. not going to go. This is doctrine, yep. but let's look at some examples, yep. right? In Western culture, we were so okay. Back up before I say this. Remember last week we talked about a verse in Matthew chapter yep. twelve where Jesus makes the the claim that if you cast out the demon, yeah, he goes away. Yeah, he's in the wilderness. He's got nowhere to stay. Yep. But when he comes back, if he finds the house clean yeah. and empty, he brings back in seven demons worse than himself. And then yeah. he, Jesus ends this. This is in Matthew chapter 20, uh, sorry, Matthew chapter 12, I think it's verse, verse 42, 43. Jesus says this, so shall it be with this generation. So what Jesus is saying, he's not talking about, he's not about individual here. He's talking about collectively a nation, a culture, a generation. Mm-hmm. He says this, I'm casting out. This is what he's implying. I'm casting out these spirits. When when Jesus shows up as the word of God, Baal loses his power. Mm-hmm. When Jesus shows up as the word of God, Ishtar loses her power yeah, and Moloch loses his power. Yeah. So Jesus shows up. and So Christianity goes to the world mm-hmm. in the first century. And as a result of that, all the pagan, the pagan I put that in air quotes, mm-hmm. right? All the paganness of the pretty much most of the world gets seen for what it is and gets thrown out. Mm-hmm. And so for the next, you know, 2,000 years, now there were some very bad versions of Christianity, 100%, right? Yeah, with the sure Dark was. Ages to prove that. We've got Inquisitions, all that sort of stuff. But generally speaking, most people understood that you don't sacrifice your children, you don't be promiscuous in your relationships, and you turn to God, don't turn away from God. Most people understood that was the foundation of Western civilization as we know it today, right? So Jesus makes the point. So shall it be with this generation, if you don't fill the house, even though it's clean, the demons will come back. The spirits will come back. So, In the context the there of this generation, he's talking about our generation too, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, exactly. End when you look the at world. the whole picture of chapter 12, yep. Mm. So, hey. where, okay, so let's give some, uh, some examples. Again, not mm. dogma, yeah, not yeah, doctrine, yeah. just yeah, examples. Yeah. In Western civilization, there are some key turning points that I think show exactly this progression to a an oppressed and possessed culture. The first ones I'll point to, and like anyone can point to a data they want, right? But I'll, I'll suggest this. Baal was all about possessing and turning the people away from God. Mm-hmm. The people had to turn from God. The culture had to turn from God. Mm-hmm. In Western culture, I would suggest that that started, I mean, it started probably early as the 1950s and maybe a bit earlier than that. But primarily by the 1960s, let's say by the 1960s, I think God was being removed and shunned from Western culture. Not ex- not 100%, but the starting process was well entrenched. Mm. And we see things like, um, like in the US, for example, 
they start having this big debate over whether schools should pray or not. Yeah. They have debates over whether they should have the Ten Commandments in the, the courtrooms and in public places. And then they're having these conversations about, well, should we have God in God we trust in the, in the first, uh, in the mm-hmm. Pledge of Allegiance, these sorts of things. Now, these debates have been going on since then. Yeah. But it wasn't until sort of the 1960s, end of the 50s, beginning of the 60s, that this sort of conversation started happening in our culture, right? So look at this. The seed has been planted that something started to happen in around, let's say, the 50s to make it a nice even number. Around the 50s, 60s, there was a subtle introduction to Western culture that started to even question, well, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't have God so prominent in everything that we do to make room for, you know, the secularist. So I see that Baal, as a culture, is starting to do his work from the 1950s onwards, right? But then let's look at the next one. The next one is Ishtar or Ashtoreth or the Queen of Heaven. Her job is to come in and bring sexualization of culture. Sexual revolution of the 60s. Sexual revolution of the 60s, right? So around the same time that you're turning away from God, the 50s, the 60s, you're turning, you're questioning whether God should have the place in the Ten Commandments in the school, in the schools Mm. and the prayers in the schools and the courtrooms, that sort of stuff. As that's starting to like crack and crumble, next thing, voila. Up comes Ashtra and seducing a generation, right? My, my parents, um, my, my great grandparents, sorry, my, no, my, my parents' parents and my grandparents, they lived through that era, right? And they were going how, how it was as they were Christian, but they were like, I couldn't believe that the free love hippie movement thing could even have happened in Western society, but it did. Why? Because Baal had started the process of turning away from God. Mm. So now we live in a world now. Oh, here's one really interesting thing. I know we're running out of time, but I'm going to throw this in. So get this. There is a, a, um, an epic called the Epic of Gilgamesh, right? It comes from, um, ancient, ancient uh, scripts, writing, yeah. right? Yep. In, on that manuscript or on, sorry, it's not a, not a manuscript. It's a, um, clay tablet on that, um, cuneiform tablet. It makes reference to, so Ash Ishtar gets all upset because there's like this struggle happening and there's a fight over lovers and all this yep. weird stuff. Yep. And so Ishtar, she cast a spell and the spell, and this is all Babylonian, right? Yeah, yeah. She cast a spell that on one day of a year, a man will love a man and a woman will love a woman, right? One day of the year. Yep. This is what Ishtar does. Now, there's been a number of other uh, documents that have been discovered in the last probably 30, 40 years that have collaborated with this account and given us dates of them when these accounts would happen. It would always happen in June. Yep. Which would be our, our calendar June, right? They didn't yep. have June back yep. then, yep. but the equivalent of June. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every June, there would be a, um, a spell day. It's one day of the year that a man loves a man and a woman loves a woman. Now, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. We've got younger yeah, listeners, yeah, yeah. but yeah. I hope you'll figure it out. So Ishtar's role was to first of all sexualize the the like the the nation and make it acceptable to do whatever you want within the context of a normal heterosexual relationship but then she brings in the spell once a year that basically gives and this is this is this is going to do your head in they called it free love because you can do whatever you want in the san um, air quotes again for those who are listening air quotes around you can do whatever you want for love's sake for one day. So you can love a man if you want to love a man, but only for one day. The next day, you get back to your wife. But it's like one day pass, so to speak, right? This was happening in the ancient world under this deity of Ish, uh, Ishtar or Ashtaroth or the Queen of Heaven. So, so go, go. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, because I'm, I'm looking at our time, I want you to get to that third point, and you've got two minutes. <laughs> so what you're saying is, um, in our culture, 
we've turned away from God. The sexual revolution has occurred. It is pretty much anything goes out there. Yep. What about Moloch in we our can, Western... We can drop another song if you want, Lloyd. So uh, we've only got nine, one song left, mate. Two. It's all right. We'll wrap this up real quick. Well, we'll just... Well, let's let's go to Hunty. What do you mean we've got two songs we left? We can drop one song. We've got two songs left in the run sheet. We can drop one of them off. Yeah, drop one of them off. Okay, that's a couple more minutes. Off you go. I do this to you every week, don't I? Love it. <laughs> every time oh, actually, I'm fascinated in this because this is stuff I've never thought about at, at this in this context, and I'm, I'm fascinated. Okay. So let's get this one before we run out of time again. So... As I've said, right, I, I see the 50s and the 60s as the time that we turn, Baal comes in and we're turning away from God. Yep. Exactly what Baal does in the old yep. world. Next, 1960s, 1970s, we start to see the the sexual revolution, right? Free yep. love and love is love and all that sort yep, of stuff. Yep, yep. We've, we've seen, we're seeing the, the conclusions of that in our day now, right, with yep, what's happened yep, since yep. 2016 and so on and so on. We're seeing that happen by now. Yeah. The other interesting thing with Ishtar is, is that she had priests in her temples and the priests would transgender. Yeah. They would have physical changes. They would dress as a cross-dressing. Into, it's, it's, it's absolutely astounding when you study this stuff in the old world and look at what's happening in our culture today. Yeah. But here's the third one. Moloch. Moloch was the destroyer, and her, his job was to destroy the children. Mm. And it was through the sacrifice of the children that he was worshipped. Yeah. Now, after the 50s, the Baal period, after the 70s, 60s, 70s, the Ishtar period, and also towards the end of the 70s, we see the introduction of the pill. We see the introduction of, um, and, and from that point on, we see the introduction of things like abortion, Roe versus Wade in the US, and these sorts of things. Basically, it's the fruit, the unwanted fruit of the sexual revolution, which is Ishtar's duties and responsibilities, that that feeds, again, air quotes, feeds Moloch. And so what we're seeing today is the the results of a culture turning away from God. Now, I say culture because this happened primarily started in America, but it's filtered its way to Australia. Mm. Australia is no different in any of these three areas than New Zealand, Canada, or... or um, Oh, well, often with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when you look at what's happening in Western culture today, we have turned away from God. We have, um, embraced Ashtar and sexuality and sexualization and we're taking it out of the context of marriage as God put it. And as a result of that now, now we are constantly offering to, um, Molik the unwanted fruit of those, those relationships. And, you know, people can be listening to this, and I know there'll be people going, man, that's pretty harsh. Well, I, I'm sorry to say it, but that's what it was, and that's what we're seeing again. So we, I believe we are living, we haven't seen the complete fulfillment of this, and there's a whole other so area we can go Just before you conclude that, just so you know, every year there's 121 million unintended, uh, unintended pregnancies, all right? Yes. That's between 2015 and 2019, those statistics, every year. Of these unintended pregnancies, 61% ended in the death of the child before birth. Yep. That translates to 73 million children have died before they got a chance to breathe. The, the estimates... This is, well, I, so this is worldwide. This in, the, in, the, in the ancient world, yep. I've read articles that they anticipate there's probably around a million to two million children sacrificed to Moloch, as can far as they can tell. No, 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 we'll okay. we'll finish. Okay, cool. Um, so if you've got these three things happening in our in our culture, this is the last question, and I've I've kind of lost how much time we've got because I've <laughs> moved, Hunty. Um, <laughs> um, we need how do we how do, justice? We will do part three. Um, yeah. How do we escape? Just a very quick thirty seconds. How do we escape this? What? 
Okay, it's really, really simple. Yep. Don't leave your house clean and empty. So ask, invite the Holy Spirit in to fill your life. Walk with Jesus. We'll unpack it more in part three. Okay, we do that next week? Yep. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll work the time with you because I think we've got to follow that. God bless you, mate. Have a good Thanks, day. Robbie. This is Thank very you. challenging stuff. I know that for our listeners, but if you can listen with an open mind, have a look at what he's saying, I think you're going to find there's a lot of truth in it. Thank you, Robbie. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. We go straight into our last song. Yeah, let's run straight into the last song. John Starnes, My God is Real, and that's what this is about. This is a real conflict. This is a real contest. This is a real confrontation. This is a war between right and wrong, good and evil, light and darkness. And if you've got any doubt about it, just got to look at what's happening on in the world right now. This song, My God is Real, this is why I've got hope for our planet. Beautiful song by John Starnes.
God is real and I can feel him deep, deep, deep in my soul. Hunty. Yeah, mate. That's the most amazing. explosive interview I think I have ever yep. done yep. in the history of Lloyd Grolleman on radio. Totally. I've never heard anything like it. I've got to go home. I've got to listen to it again. Mm. I've got to let it settle in my mind. It rung of truth. It's alarming. It's challenging. And the one thing I can say is wherever you are out there in Faith FM Radio Land today, if you don't know Jesus, this is the time to make a call. Make a decision. Mm-hmm. Invite him into your heart. He'll send you the Holy Spirit. He'll open your eyes. He'll unplug your ears. And you will see what hardly anybody else is. Mm-hmm. Let's pray. Lord, it's very challenging today. As I've just as I've just challenged, I pray, Jesus, that you will come into our hearts, into our lives. Open our ears and our eyes. Help us to see. Show us the way out of this world, I pray. And bless each of our listeners with your peace and your love is my prayer in your name. Amen. Amen. My name is Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie pastor. And my name's Hunty. And I'm the man in black. And we love you. But Jesus loves you so much more. more. Yep. See, see you, you next, next time. time. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, go to findjesus.tv.